Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the new episode of Home Visit with Tyler Siski and the Associates. Today we got my good friend Jake Crane from Crane and Company stopping by uh, just for a few minutes. He's going to uh, tell us, talk to us a little bit about the uh, his new gig at Crane and Company, uh, which he got moved over from the J Boy Show, which is really exciting for him. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Will Smith and the Chris Rock issue at the Oscars and fan apathy with him. Uh, after we get done with Jake, we're going to sit there. And we're going to talk a little bit about the NCAA tournament. Uh, insane money being thrown around with high school recruits, a little bit of the uh, Memphis notice of allegations, and then the NFL draft, and we're going to get you guys out of here. So sit back and relax. Enjoy this week's episode of Home Visit. Join with me today, my man, the myth, the legend, Jake Crane. Jake, what's up, brother? Coach, what's up, man? It's good to uh, good to be on. Congrats on all the success. Yeah, man. First of all, before we even get started, because I know you're rushing, got got you for a little small bit of time today, so I'll make sure I get this in. Let's talk a little bit about Crane and Company, your new show. You moving over, so I want you to tell the fans a little bit about it and how they can get to see you and all that good yeah. stuff. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. So uh, we're the new sports show for the Daily Wire for uh, Ben Shapiro and them. Uh, they reached out when we were uh, in talks with Cowherd about reing up, and I uh, just thought it, you know, was was worth a chance and, and them kind of delving into sports and they've already, you know, dove into the movie industry and are getting into country music as well. So uh, saw an opportunity and uh, jumped on with them. It's been great. We go uh, live on YouTube, uh, thedailywire.com from two to three central every weekday. Uh, you can find it Apple Podcasts, Spotify. It's Crane and Company, C-R-A-I-N. Um, you know, it's funny. We we're with the Daily Wire, but we don't get political at all. So it's uh, we're kind of the only show that doesn't get political. Because, uh, you know, I think there's an avenue that, that people want when, when they want to hear about sports, they want to hear about sports. I mean, I'm not in here talking about the vaccine or inflation or any of that stuff. There's plenty of places you can go uh, right. to hear that. So, yeah, man, we uh, have had some big guests already. Got a big one coming on uh, Wednesday. Got Jason Whitlock coming on and then announcing uh, a bus tour we're doing down to the Final Four, down to NOLA. So it's oh. uh, it's been great so far, man. Everybody's been awesome. The uh, And I, lo- I love it. I listen every day. Um, I'm a big fan. I'm an honorary booster club member. I like, I like getting in there. I enjoy it. So I encourage everybody to check it out. Uh, every day. It's something that's, uh, if you're a sports fan, you gotta love it. And, uh, and, uh, it's awesome. It's good talk. So I like it, but, uh, Hey, let's crank this thing up. And and you talked about a little bit yesterday, but it just, we have to, I mean, I don't care if we're a sports show or not. How about this Will Smith smacking the piss? out of Chris Rock. What do you still think it was fake or have you transitioned it's into the real? Be, it's gotta be fake. Like I just, 
it's like I said yesterday on the show, like we don't have a, a Papa Doc situation from Eight Mile. I mean, Chris Rock isn't from Cranbrook. You know, like he didn't go to, you know, some fancy private school in Rhode Island. Like he's from Philly. You know, when a guy is walking up to you like that, if you've ever been in any sort of altercation or disagreement with another person, uh, when you're walking up there like that, it'd be different if Will Smith was walking up like, yeah, Chris, that was hilarious. Now I'm going to tell a joke and roast you. But he was walking up to either get in your face or slap you or punch you in the face. Like, I don't know how you don't know that. And for Chris Rock to put his hands behind his back and just lean over and like smile the most punchable smile of all time. I just, I, I feel like it was staged. I mean, the Oscars, they've struggled, you know, from a view and rating standpoint. What's the last thing you remember about an award show? Like, off the top of my head, though, I can remember Kanye and Taylor Swift. Yeah, I don't, so, remember, I don't remember anything from those shows, but I will tell you this. I'm on Team Real here, all right? And this is the only reason I am. Okay? You think it was real and I, not planned at all? That I, professional actors that get paid to act? Like no, I, I, I'm with you. Really happening? I do not disagree with what you're saying, by the way, at all. Okay, what do you like to say all the time is like two, two things can be true at once, right? can be true at once. They can. All right, and here's why. And I think Neil and Chase were talking about this on their podcast yesterday. And I agree with it. We had this big discussion at dinner time. This is what we were talking about at dinner last night with my kids, by the way. Nice. Is why does Will, what does Will Smith and, and Chris Rock owe the Academy to do that for him? Will Smith's just to take some heat for this, right? And I mean, he doesn't need that for his career. And so what is he getting out of it? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think they owed, I don't think he would do that for the academy if they asked him to do it as a bit i don't think he would you know i'd hope not um but i don't think he would do that as a bit or chris rock because they don't they don't need that and then two is two is and so your guys at your place ought to be all over this in this woke world that we're in right now the the academy doesn't want violence and all that stuff that's not their move to do that to boost ratings they would have probably tried something else but not that so I'm on I'm on team real, even though I wasn't impressed with the form. I wasn't impressed with the, you know, if I was really that mad to defend my wife, there'd been more than like a, a grazing of the chin by the by the fingertips. We'd have gone full open hand across the face, you know, in the in the knockout jaw part. But, you know, I don't uh, but let, I am on team real for that. Let reason. me ask you this, though. You would have probably done it backstage, right? If it was, oh yeah, no, no, no. I wouldn't have been a public thing. I, I, it would have been because it it would have been one on one backstage. Nobody, maybe nobody would ever find out about it. Like I would, it would be something serious though. Yeah, my my thing is like back to the Will Smith or Chris Rock thing. I who knows what they owe the Academy? Like I don't know what really goes down. Like who who we could go back to the years. I'm sure the Academy has done a lot of favors. For Will Smith and Chris Rock, probably. I would think. But do I mean, they threaten to that. take away the award, though, if it's not real? I, I mean, again, though, who, who, which one of those actors really, like, would it really hurt? Like, Will Sean Smith? Penn's out here, and I know Sean Penn's a different kind of crazy, but Sean Penn's out here like, well, if they don't say something about Ukraine, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to burn my Oscar in the middle of the street. <laughs> but, like, what I'm saying is, like, I don't know what these people owe. I don't know Will Smith. I don't know who got you out of the Bel Air show and put you on the big screen. I don't know. Maybe the same guy who was putting this together. I, look, I think they're all I, – I don't know. I think it's like one big group. Who knows what other people – oh, I know this, though. I know this, though. He really slapped Chris Rock. Like, that hand 
touched face right there. Yeah, but well, Rick I mean, Rick Flair did some real slapping in his day too. But you know, he, he did, he did, and I'm, I will, I'll give I'll give Will Smith and them the benefit of the doubt. You guys get paid to do this for you. Been, you were in Ali. You can fake punch somebody about as good as there is, you know. So, yeah. Chris Rock, I'll give you your due too. But man, part of me just feels like the Oscars. I didn't even know the Oscars was going on until I saw this on social media. Like to me, they ran. They I ran the reverse. Uh, they ran a reverse on the first play. Like y'all yeah. ran a reverse on the first play. Y'all needed the ratings. Now next year, that like I said in the show, next year what's gonna happen? Y'all gonna have Beyonce and Rihanna like in the UFC? <laughs> what's the follow up? I would watch. Which I would watch in a heartbeat. I'd watch in a heartbeat. I'm not watching. I didn't watch Sunday. I didn't watch when I saw it. I ain't gonna watch next year. I'm not a. I mean, I'm going. I'm not gonna watch no, anything about movies. I don't I've do never it seen. either. But if Will Smith slaps Chris Rock, like I'm like, wow. Like the Oscar that that clip got more views than the Oscars has combined probably last 10 years. Like, Facts. I could really care less. I mean, you got Amy Schumer on there, who is the unfunny, who's never said anything funny. Are you not serious? Funny. You don't like Amy Schumer? No, she is not funny. Her and If her and Pete Davidson did a stand-up show in my living room, I wouldn't go. <laughs> I wouldn't go. I'd leave I, the I house. I think she's funny. I don't think she's funny at all. all right. I don't think she's funny. So you and I both have been – I want to talk about this because you and I both have been in the coaching world. Now we're doing this on the, on the side. So are you, I'm doing it on the side. You're doing it for the living. I was living. about to say, man, I, my other business – Yeah, yours is not on the side. On air. But let's talk about – because this is a hot topic right now, especially in the town that I'm currently residing in, and I can't not talk about it. And it's just fan apathy mm-hmm. with really good coaches. So let's talk about – first of all, this started with basketball a couple of weeks ago with Kentucky and Tennessee. So we got fans on Twitter, and and it's not one fan; it's a lot of fans. Like, want Rick Barnes fired? Yeah. You got fans that want John Calipari fired. I mean, and I know you went on, you you had a whole show on it one day, okay, about John Calipari, right? Yeah. And not getting fired though. I know, but somebody was overrated and all that stuff. I'm yeah. talking about fans in general. Yeah. The 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 part that I want to just like shake the shit out of people and go like who, who's coming in the door next, mm. you know like who are you replacing these guys with? And you yep. look at like Rick Barnes. Okay, let's talk about Rick Barnes. He gets there and his you know Tennessee's won five SEC tournaments in the history mm-hmm. of the Southeastern Conference five, and he won one of them this year. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. What, what are you – I don't understand. I get that. I understand that um, – I don't know if it's football bleeding over into the fandom of the SEC because – but basketball and baseball, which we're going to talk about next, dude, it's hard to win, man. Yeah. I mean, like, it's hard to win a title. Yeah, it's it's hard to win consistently, um, especially in sports where – you know, in any given day, in any given game, one guy can make the difference. You know, in football, it's hard for one guy to make the difference, you know, throughout the whole course of the game, uh, the way it can Unless in basketball or, or in baseball. Uh, what, what, my, thing, my thing is, I, I think you have to take everything on a case-by-case basis. I think when we, we try and general, generalize groups of coaches, it makes it more difficult. But, you know, fan and, and fan apathy, obviously fans short for fanatical. In the society we live in, everybody wants everything now. When you look at the way that Alabama's yeah. dominated in football, you know, pe- people want that. They see, they see there's an ability or a possibility there to dominate. Even if they have no domination in their past, they feel like, well, it's attainable. So, you know, we ought to be doing it every year. Well, that's like saying, okay, you're going to start a business 
and you want to be a billion dollar business every year, you know, fr from the ground up starting. It's not how it works. Um, right. When you when you look at, you know, John Calipari, for instance, now he's getting paid a lot of money. Uh, Kentucky is one of the places where you can get the best talent basically year in, year out. Uh, you have the best facilities and it's a basketball school. But I'll continue to say, I think the best coach in Lexington's Mark Stoops. Uh, I think he does more with less than just about anybody. And Coach Cal, from a championship standpoint, does less with more than just about uh, just about anybody. I mean, you look at Kentucky and, and you know, if you look at the beginning of Coach Cal, where he was um, and, and where Kentucky was, I mean, they were rolling when he got there. I mean, you're going to Final Fours every year. Then you win the Natty with Anthony Davis. It's kind of fallen off in the back end here the past five, six, seven years. But number one, that doesn't mean it's easy. It's easier at Kentucky, in my opinion, than it is at, say, yeah. Mississippi State. But that still doesn't mean it, it's easy. I mean, sh should he be fired, in my opinion? No. But even the AD, Mitch Barnhart, came out and was like, this is unacceptable. Like, this this is disappointing. Um, and, and I think he was right when you're paying a guy $8 million a year. Now, Rick Barnes at Tennessee, Tennessee does not have the past in basketball that Kentucky does. They're not a basketball school, basketball blue blood, whatever you want to call it. But yes. but they did get a little taste of success for Bruce Pearl. And now Rick Barnes, over time, they've had success enough to qualify for the NCAA tournament that they want a little bit more. Is that asking too much? Yes, probably. Especially at Tennessee, when you look at some of these other places, you know, that just focus purely on basketball. The Gonzagas, the Villanovas, places like that. But fans in general, I think it's a, just a byproduct of society. We want all the nice – it's like, you know, calling J.G. Wentworth. I want my money and I want it now. I mean, they, <laughs> they want everything every year the same, and you don't realize how years and years can build up to one year. And when right. you have the transfer portal as crazy it is, as it is, now you have NIL. You're throwing extra kind of, you know – monkeys into the wrench or wrenches into them, however you want to put it fans will always want more than what their number one going to get probably number two what they deserve to get and then number three what the ceiling is on the place that they're rooting for is always a little bit lower than what they think but again i feel like that's just part of being a fan i guess yeah, so here's where I get it. Like with basketball, and we're going to get to baseball right after this because we got one here in Oxford that's got everybody up in a, in a roar, okay? But in basketball, you get in a tournament, okay? Yep. You get in a tournament, and it's win or go home. And you roll up against somebody on a neutral court that goes and, and goes 20 of 25 from the three-point line. I don't care how much – I mean, like you can get a hold of a hot shooter and lose yep. really quick. And it has nothing to do with the coaching or he didn't do this or he didn't do that. I mean, you can get in front of a hot team at the wrong time and lose one game. Yeah. And so that's where in basketball, I'm like, look at the collection of work here. You know, the championship, whereas in football, it's different. Okay. I think yep. it's completely different. And then, and then baseball. Okay. So here, Mike Bianco is the baseball coach mm -hmm. here at Ole Miss. Arguably, and and nobody and you know let's take a, and you're not an Ole Miss fan so I'm not an Ole Miss fan I'm not a fan of anybody um, that's just the the curse of coaching for this long but arguably the guy's the top five at his job in the in the in the entire country yeah all right they were the number one team in the country this past weekend they got swept by I don't know how many polls there is I, I guess a, supposedly another number one team with Tennessee which is really good but you're sitting here and they're wanting a guy fired well yeah. when it comes to baseball like when it comes to baseball. And let's do the order here because you got football, then you got basketball, and then you have baseball. Mm -hmm. And let's look at the roles of the head coaches. 
Like how many, let's just be honest here, how many baseball coaches really impact the results of games? Uh, not as many as you'd think. I mean, what are they going to, there's no scheme they're running. He's not out there asking, hey, look, here's what I want you to do on this 0-2 pitch. Instead of, instead of throwing that slider, you know, down and away, I want you to hang one up there and let him hit it 450 yeah. feet. Like that's not in the, you know, sooner or later in, in the baseball the players have to take responsibility. Yeah. There's only so much you can do. sport. Right. Yeah. And so uh, the role, in my opinion, of a baseball coach is to assemble talent, especially at the college level, is to recruit and provide a culture of success. Mm-hmm. That, that's what a baseball coach yeah. does. Yeah. You're, you're not going out there and going like, I'm a better coach than you, and I, I just I, we won the series. No, your players are either better or they executed better. And sooner or later, the, ba- the players have to take accountability for that. Yeah. Basketball. Let's go back to basketball, though, Jake. Okay, so basketball, you do have scheme. You do have recruiting. And a basketball coach can affect, to a certain extent, Mm -hmm. the outcome of a game. We agree with that? A hundred percent. More than than baseball, less than football. Then you get to football where it's every play scheme. Mm -hmm. It's about recruiting. It's It's about everything. So a football coach, I get the volatility sometimes. But sometimes I think we allow that volatility of a fandom to bleed over into basketball and baseball, but we got to understand what the root of the problem is. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I look at Ole Miss, I, I think, again, it, it varies on what that school and what that fan base, you know, kind of identifies with. I think deep down, I don't want to piss anybody off, a lot of Ole Miss That's fans fine. I do it all the time. probably realize that they've got a lot better shot of winning a national championship in the next 20 years in baseball as opposed to football and basketball. So they will put a ton of of that same energy that you may say an Alabama fan may root for football more because they know yeah. they can win a national championship. They put that type of energy into that sport, even though the points you just brought up are exactly correct. I mean, you don't have, you know, you, you can talk about moving guys around with the shift and playing the analytics, but that, that's what a computer spits out. There's not a ton of, as a baseball coach, you know, you going up there, it's, you know, I guess you can sometimes like in major league be like, you know, Wiggins, just feel like you're going to go up there and get a hit. You hadn't been hit in 20 games. I just got a feeling you're going to go up there. You know, you know the sun yeah. shines on a dog's ass every now and then. But once you once you get to to a place like Ole Miss, or, you know, I'm, I'm thinking around the country, other places where they're like, all right, this sport is one we like Kansas and Vandy. basketball, like yeah, Vandy. yeah, like Vandy and baseball. Like they know at the end of the day, this is probably our best shot because you're damn sure ain't winning in football if you're Vandy. You might as well wait. <laughs> A thousand. You might have well wait till the next cataclysm and hope we rebuild. And you're like a part of the the new order. But uh, no, I, I it's ridiculous. Anybody to talk about Mike Bianco getting fired needs to be fired from whatever job they're doing. I don't care if you're a bank teller, if you're a realtor, and I feel like you should probably get your license taken away because I don't want you driving on the same street as me thinking about dumb stuff like that, like firing Mike Bianco. Who uh, all of a sudden, what'll happen is. What'll happen is it'll be one of those things where, oh, Mike Bianco got swept by Tennessee. Oh, wait, we're hosting another Super Regional with a chance to go to Omaha. I love Mike Bianco. He, my kid goes to his camp all the time. I love Mike. You know, we have beers down at the, the porch and run or whatever it is. So it's so kind of night or day, but depending on, on what it is, like you're going to get the most vitriol uh, in that sport. Like Kentucky basketball, like they win, they win eight, nine games in football. Mark Stoops built a statue of them. Like, let's name a steak after him or a sandwich or something from the local Bourbon. place. Calipari, you're either winning the title or, like, there's a bunch of old dudes sitting at diners just dogging you all the time, talking about, well, you know, Adolph Rupp 
you know, until he ran to the guys <laughs> from Glory Road. Well, another thing is like, and we've talked about it, but in baseball, dude, I mean, you throw up against, you, you go against the wrong arm, it doesn't yeah. matter how good you are. I mean, they go shove it right down your throat and make you like it. But you know, for in, in, in Ole Miss's case, and, and look, and for the people that, that, that listen to this, we have a ton of people in Oxford, obviously, that listen to this show. I like, Mike Bianco wouldn't know me if we ran into each other on the street. It's not like we're friends or anything. I'm saying that, and look, in the history, I want you to get, get you some of this. This is where I get frustrated. And they went through the whole Kermit Davis thing. Well, that's neither here nor there. But there are, there's always a time and a place. But in the history of the University of Mississippi, like in the they, they and I guess in the modern era, I don't know how you call it, but they've won one national championship and it was like in women's golf. Yeah, it was incredible. It's not like we're we're rolling out. This is not like there's a precedent of rolling out. Yeah. And they're like, well, if he doesn't go to Omaha, or, and you know, he's got to go. It's Omaha or bus. I just disagree with that. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I just no. I, look, I, I I do too. Um, you know, Mike Bianco, he's a vet in the game. But I mean, if you're again, it's I hate to say this, but it's like the the girl in the bar that. Or the excuse me, the person in the bar that's a that's a five. Are that, you are you saying that because you're at the Daily Wire now? So no, no, no. Gotta, I'm saying that I'm saying that because it could be a guy or a girl, depending on what you like. I'm just using this as a general example. Okay. In the bar, right. somebody who is a five that thinks they're a nine, like a hard nine, and you can't <laughs> talk them out of it. That's why you'll have like the girls that hang out with uglier girls. Like I don't know another way to put this. Like the sevens that hang out with fours. Because they make them look like an eight and a half or a nine. It's the natural order of stuff. Like you're Ole Miss. Okay, you're in the SEC. You're around Bama. That's a ten in football, you know. And you're, you know, you're really like a six, but you're you walked out of the house feeling like an eight. Like you looked in the mirror. You 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 called up some friends and you're like, listen, Denise, I really need you to go out tonight because we're really good friends. But deep down, you know, she's a four. And everybody in there is going to be like, you're at least a seven. So you're, 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 it's kind of like fixing up your house to sell it or like a car or something. Like, I don't know. It's, it's kind of almost kind of like guilt by association, but not really. Like, Ole Miss is like, all right, well, we're hanging out with Bama. Like, we're coming to the mall with Bama. So why can't we go buy the things that Bama buys? Why can't I get mad when you, you, you know, bring me a pretzel and didn't put cinnamon on or something like that? Like, Ole Miss, you got to remember. Sometimes, sometimes you're a five, but you're hanging around with people that, that are like upper echelon. Oh, you, all of a sudden you get invited to a great Gatsby party. Or it's like that Anna d- documentary on Netflix. Now all of a sudden you're a German heiress. Like you're not though. You're not though. You're a, but in baseball, in baseball, you have the ability to be a, be a eight or a yeah. nine. You know, yeah. new, new clothes just came in. Going to get your hair and your nails. Did all of a sudden you're creeping up the charts a little bit, but you still can't remember where you forget where you came from, though. I got you. That was great. I, I haven't laughed that hard in a while. That was that was pretty good. That caused pain. Yeah. All right. Good. And then the last thing I want to talk about this on fan apathy is this is something I I, I always say, and I, I don't know if fans ever say it. But let's take somebody like Georgia for example. Okay, with Tom Crean. All right. And we're not talking about football. We're not talking about baseball and stuff, but. How many times do you got to fire a guy? And I'm talking about, like, here's what people don't realize. He's a good basketball coach. He didn't just wake up and show up to Georgia in the you SEC Tom, by being you, a bad basketball coach. What makes you think that about Tom Crean, though? Because of his his history. Okay? I mean, he's won at other places. Without Dwayne What's that? Wade. His history without Dwayne Wade. Fair enough. He was a, but my point is, you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah, is yeah. How many times do you have to – 
fire a guy before you look in the mirror and go, wait a minute, maybe it's us. You know, when was yeah, the last time Georgia I, well, there's, did anything like, in like basketball? Like I said, I said this on the show all the time. There's two things I don't understand. One, how Texas doesn't win 10 games every year in football. And two, how Georgia doesn't dominate college basketball with the talent they have around them. My, my thing with Georgia is you, it's just like anything. It's just like being a head coach in football. You got to know how to hire people. Like, I don't think Georgia for a while has been able to hire or brought in a guy that you're like, you know what? You can recruit this state. Tom, I had J.J. Frazier on the show last year. He just told me straight up, he's like, look, Tom Crean's not going in these kids' living room convincing anybody to stay in Georgia. Like, he's just not. He's not that type of guy. So I actually think the Mike White hire is a lot better than what a lot of other people think. Now, do I think Georgia's going to be some dominant program in college basketball? No, but but Georgia's a place to me. It's like LSU in football. You can be bad one year and all of a sudden flip the script, get the right guy in there and be a problem. But Georgia hasn't made any hasn't made the same push for basketball like they've made for right. even softball. Like you got to make your Auburn would Auburn made their mind up. Like Auburn made their mind up. We want to be good at basketball. We'll do whatever. Does it mean bringing in Bruce Pearl? Does it mean throwing uh, a bunch of money at it? Does it mean taking a risk? Yes, Georgia is. And I think now that they got the football natty, they can maybe finally breathe a little bit. They're like, all right, we got that over. We we got that. Uh, we got over the hump on that. Now we can start you know, diversifying into other stuff. Because you look, they've tried in baseball. They've tried more in baseball than they've tried in basketball. Yeah, that's just my whole thing is like how many guys you got to go through before you you realize like, well, let's take Vandy in football. I mean, how many guys do you got to go through before you realize that, wait a minute, the problem may not be the coaches that we got in here. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's like – Sooner or later, you got to look in the mirror and figure out you're not doing something on the administration level of committing to the program. I want to thank Jake for stopping by. I know he's really busy uh, rocking and rolling uh, with his new gig going to meetings. Uh, so he was very generous with a couple minutes with us today. I want to get on this NCAA tournament a little bit. I thought it was kind of uh, very interesting that after all the upsets and everything that we had, we ended up with four Blue Bloods in the Final Four. Uh, the big one, obviously, being Duke and North Carolina. Um, as a kid, I mean, Mike Shashevsky's been coaching at Duke since I was a kid, uh, so I know it's going to be his last game and uh, or last couple of games at the Final Four, and uh, I don't think he would have it any other way but to play North Carolina in the Final Four, so he gets one more shot at redemption because North Carolina did come on, you know, his last home game and really kind of put it on him uh, in Cameron Indoor, so I think he gets another shot there. I think that's going to be the big storyline on Saturday. And then, uh, obviously, next Monday, we have the national championship game. And uh, Kansas and Villanova are playing the other side of the Final Four. Uh, you know, Villanova's best player gets hurt, tears his Achilles. Um, and here's my here's going to be my Final Four prediction. I think whoever wins the uh, Kansas-Villanova game will probably end up winning it all because I think the emotional letdown from North Carolina and Duke, that's going to be such a big game for both sides. Uh, just the emotions and the drainage and the anxiety level. I think there's going to be a little bit of letdown in the national championship game if there ever is such a thing. So I think uh, if I had to pick one, I'm going with Kansas. But, you know, my basketball picks haven't been great. So uh, that's just me being a fan. Uh, the other thing is is I think what, what we've seen as a as sports fan, as a society, is the drama created by the tournament. Even though we ended up with four Blue Bloods at the end, all the excitement that has occurred in the last two weeks, hopefully the college football playoff committee is seeing this, and hopefully we can get some expansion out of that.
I want to touch on this briefly. Uh, the Athletic wrote an article a couple of weeks ago about a uh, quarterback, high school quarterback, receiving between seven and eight million dollars uh, to sign uh, with a school. Um, I guess that guy shall remain nameless. I think we all know who it is uh, coming to an SEC school. But this insane money that's being thrown around, this is just the beginning. And I think people thought there was going to be a cap to this. And I've been pretty steady with my opinion the whole time. I don't think there's a cap to this. The more money that are being thrown into these collectives, the more money these players are going to make. Um, the fact that a high school quarterback is getting paid $8 million, I mean, it's definitely the one position. I wouldn't call it a bust, but it's one of the positions that's so hard to evaluate. And it's not about talent. And we're going to get with talent and quarterbacks at the end of the show, but a quarterback, and I've said this for years, I think you can take the top 50 quarterbacks in America and you can throw them up on a board. And the guy that has the most competitive character and makes the guys around him better is going to end up being the best quarterback. A lot of these times, these guys are very talented guys, but they don't, you know, they're individual. They don't care. They don't raise the people's game around them. They don't take care of the ball. They do, you know, this, they try to make it an individual sport playing quarterback, and it really hurts teams. Um, that's a big investment. And what happens when the kid doesn't pan out and, and his money doesn't come through? We haven't seen that yet. That's going to happen to somebody somewhere. There's going to be lawsuits involved. What are we doing here? But the money is going to continue to get higher and higher and higher because these collectives have now seen, okay, well, look, we raised enough money. We're going to be able to go get great players. So the collectives are going to keep raising more and more and more and more money. And again, remember what we talked about a few weeks ago. Now people are getting 1099s. They're getting tax write-offs by donating money to go recruit players. That's what's happening here. And so when you go get, you know, you get a, a rich booster to drop some coin off in the collective, you got a lot of money. And we and we were joking several episodes ago now about Tim Cook at Auburn. I mean, the guy goes and gets a $750 million bonus from Apple. What if he goes drop $75 million in the collective? You don't think they're going to get some good players next year? Yeah, I mean – you got rich boosters, like really rich boosters, and every university has them. You just got to get the ones that are willing to donate to the collective. And when that happens, you're going to be able to get, get great players. Um, but the fact that 17-year-old kids are getting $8 million to come play college football is a little bit excessive. And, uh, you know, again, I don't until, the, until there's a rules made or whatever, and I don't know how they do it. Uh, they've let the toothpaste out of the tube, so to say. Uh, you're going to continue to have more and more money be thrown at high school players. All right, I wanted to spend a little time on this. Uh, Memphis gets hit with notice of allegations from the NCAA. They got hit with four in the basketball program. They got hit with four level one penalties and two level two penalties. And this is what the two major issues, of course, everybody gets the level one of, you know, the mandatory uh, lack of institutional control. That's just them throwing another charge on you. But here's what it all stems from. All right, so Penny Hardaway is accused of paying Jim I think, sorry to say Jim Wiseman, he worked with me. Uh, Wiseman is a, was a basketball player. And so while Penny Hardaway was a high school coach at East High School in Memphis, he allegedly paid the Wiseman family $11,500 for him to move to Memphis and play for Penny while he was a high school coach. All right, that's very important in 2017. The other charge is Mike Miller, who was a former NBA player who was an assistant on staff. His when they went to go research and do all this stuff, they go to his, they go get his hard drive from his computer and it's been erased. 
And so that's the other charge. All right, a few things here. And, and I, I'm probably going to take a different approach than a lot of people listening here because we got a lot of people in the Mid-South or, that are either fans of Memphis, and the Memphis fans probably will like my opinion. Uh, but a lot of the Ole Miss fans probably won't. Uh, a lot of the you know Mississippi State fans probably won't. A lot of the other fans of other teams probably won't. But this is the NCAA trying to what I'm going to put this in quotes. So when you go use this with your buddies and you're talking about it, we're going to call this the NCAA is trying to what I call Ole Miss Memphis. And so what happened here is there's they they even said it in the report is like there's been a level of uh, dis you know level of noncompliance for years and years in your program. And so basically they're trying to say, we can't catch you really doing what we think and know you're doing, so we're going to penalize you anyway. And that's bullshit. And that, that pisses me off. The NCAA is in a court of law. They're not proving anything. They're basically saying, I mean, how would you feel if you're a Memphis fan? How do you feel that you're getting penalized for something that happened at another school because the guy's now at your school and the kid came to your school? It didn't have, Memphis didn't have anything to do with that. Nobody at Memphis said, you think the old basketball coach at Memphis, who was at Memphis at the time, says, hey, Penny, I want you to pay this guy because they're going to fire me next year, and now you're going to get my job, and he can come play for you here. That's not how it works. Nobody at Memphis had anything to do with Penny Hardaway paying a kid while he was a high school coach. So, again, what we talked about last week is the NCAA has to, has to alter what we're doing here Okay, and there's a bill that's trying to be worked out. Hopefully it gets released this week, hopefully. But there's a bill that Congress is trying to put together to try to limit some of this stuff. And it needs to be done because this is getting out of hand. So they can't catch them for what they've been doing. We're just going to punish you what we think you've been doing. So you're going to get punished for a guy having a blank hard drive. Well, what if it was a blank hard drive? I mean, there's no proof there. This isn't a court of law. There's no proof. And it just it's really frustrating that. That's what we've come to. Now, if he was ineligible and you played him, okay, that's a penalty. That's a level two penalty. Take it. But to go on and punish a whole university, and now he's if he gets fired or whatever they do, you're going to punish a university for something that happened before he was even an employee at your school. That's insane to me. That makes no sense. And, I mean, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. Um, so hopefully – uh, they get this under control. I know the new bill is going to have a time limit that they're trying to propose, and hopefully it gets pushed through Congress, and, and then that's what it's going to take. It's going to take the United States government to put something on the NCAA, basically saying, hey, listen, you're not the IRS. You're not the United States government, so stop punishing people for things they didn't do. Um, it's just not America, man. I mean, it, it just doesn't fit anything that we're trying to do uh, sports-wise, and it's very frustrating. And, you know, Ole Miss fans went through it a few years ago uh, when they went on probation, and basically, you know, they couldn't prove everything they wanted to prove. So what they did was they punished Ole Miss for something that was minor, but they dropped the hammer on them. So, you know, the best way I can describe it to you is if you get a jaywalking ticket and they throw you in jail for 15 years. That's basically what they're doing. You, you get something that's very minor, and they just hammer you punishment-wise and you're sentencing because they, they think they know what you're doing. They just can't prove it, and that's that's very frustrating as a fan point. So um, kudos to Memphis. I'd fight this thing to the death. I would uh, because, in this case, they're right and wrong, and, and, and Memphis is right and the NCAA is wrong in this case, and um, they shouldn't be punished for things that happened before the employee was ever an employee. All right, the last thing I want to finish with is the NFL draft. Uh, we, we talked about it a little bit with Matt Luke a few weeks ago. Um, 
and then I want to explain to the fans what I'm what I'm referring to here is there's a difference between coaches' opinions on a player, the front office opinions on a player, and then the fans. All right. So when you go and you know right now, if you looked at the quarterback position, okay, there are there Malik Willis is getting all the hype uh, from Liberty, Matt Corral, Kenny Pickett, and Sam Howell. Those are the guys that are going to be in the discussion for first-round picks at quarterback. But here's what people have to understand. This is where I get really frustrated with all these experts that are doing the draft and all that stuff. You have to play the game. I cannot tell you over the years how many guys I've seen in a private workout are throwing a seven-on-seven competition or routes. We call routes on air, where you're just throwing routes to players that look like $10 bucks. I mean, I'm talking about they can throw the mess out of it. It is pretty. They got a big-time arm. And everybody's in love right now with Malik Willis. His stock has done nothing but skyrocketed since the season was over. It was it was actually falling during the season. Um, and, look, Malik Willis is an immensely talented human being. There is no one going to take that away from him. He has got a rocket for an arm. He has got – I mean, looks as pretty as it ever has of anybody coming out of his hand. He's extremely athletic, can really run. But turn on the tape. And, and this is what Matt, Matt said that a few weeks ago. You've got to turn on the tape and watch the kids play football. And so what I'll, I'm not even going to tell you. I want the fans out there, I want you to pull up Malik Willis's game-by-game stats. That's what I want you to do. And look who he played, okay? And then I want you to pull up Matt Corral's stats. And then I want you to pull up Kenny Pickett's stats. And then I want you to put up, pull up Sam Howell's stats. And look at them game by game, okay? And tell me what you find. And you're going to see it. And everybody's like, well, he didn't have the guys to throw to. It's all relative. It's all relative. Because you got Matt Corral that's playing in the SEC against Alabama. He's playing against Texas A&M. He's playing against Arkansas. He's playing against a higher caliber player every week. So it's all relative. All right, Malik, Malik Willis, yeah, he didn't have great receivers, but he wasn't going up against great competition every week either. Okay, they played Ole Miss and got beat. And if you watch that, turn on that tape, you're going to see some things. All right, you turn on when they play Syracuse, and you're going to see some things. All right, it's all relative. And what blows my mind is from an NFL standpoint, we forget about, you know, we're trying to fit square pegs into round holes, and it usually comes from the front office. And what I mean by this, that is this, is I've, I've actually been on both sides of it. So I've been a coach on one side. I've been in the personnel world. Right, wrong, or indifferent, personnel people care more about numbers, how somebody looks, and the individual talent in a workout more than they do the game. Coaches, on the other hand, care more about can they play the game than they do numbers. Okay? But there has to be some marriage here. Okay? And when it comes to the NFL strategy of picking guys, look at all of the quarterbacks that are being dealt. I'm talking about premier showing it in the NFL game on Sunday quarterbacks that are being dealt for like third and fourth round picks. So why would you go invest a first round pick in a quarterback that you're not sure of and that really has no proof? Now, he has got talent, but why would you spend your time developing a guy when you go get a bona fide veteran that you know is a top tier quarterback for cheaper? It just makes no sense to me um, why we're doing that. And when it comes to, like, talent, if I was to take one, and I watched all the pro days, and to me, Matt Corral is the guy that I'm picking first um, above all those guys. 
followed by Kenny Pickett, followed by Sam Howell, and I'm taking Malik Willis in the second round. Uh, if I need, if I have an established quarterback and try to develop him, that's what I would. That would be my draft strategy. But when you go and you turn the tape on, who makes the players around him better? Who does? There's two in my opinion, and that's Matt Corral and Kenny Pickett. Those are the two that make the players around them better. When you look at who's got, they all have talent. They all have immense talent. Okay, Sam Howell has the ability has the ability to do it. He just has to relax a little bit. He tries to do too much every once in a while. But I think all four of those guys are immensely talented. But you have to turn on the tape and see who is doing making the guys around them better. And that and that's who you want to draft. I, I don't understand what the confusion is, and it's very frustrating to see all these guys. Watch a guy throw in a senior bowl practice. Watch a guy in a workout when there's nobody chasing him, okay, and you and you start looking at his accuracy, okay? Look at how they deliver the football. It's not a it's this is not a hard game to figure out. This is not a hard thing to figure out. But again, we're trying to fit square pegs in around holes. And when you go back and you look in the history of time, and you know, and it started, I remember Randy Moss. You know, there were questions about Randy Moss's character. So for whatever reason, we're going to build these guys up. Now, this is coming here in the next few weeks. Now we're going to start digging into the character, and guys are going to start dropping, okay, for things that really make no sense. You look at Randy Moss. I mean, this guy drops almost out of the first round. He's a Hall of Fame receiver. But he dropped because there were questions on his character. How about Laramie Tunsil? A lot of Ole Miss fans listening. How about Laramie Tunsil on draft night? You don't think they that you go back in time, you don't think they would want to have Laramie Tunsil as the number one or number two pick in the draft? You daggum right they would. Because he's probably the best left tackling in the NFL right now. He's he's um he's unbelievable. But, you know, we go question, you know, we got we got, you know, mask on Instagram coming out and all that stuff going on, and it and it drops him. And I don't understand it, but it is what it is, and and and, uh, and you see like the draft strategies. I, I honestly believe that that's why the Rams are having success was because they're like screw them. We don't care about the draft picks, and then we're gonna go on. We're gonna go on and 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 win the Super Bowl while everybody else is sitting there playing tiddly winks trying to figure out who who we're gonna take in the first round as a quarterback. All right, talking about pro days, um, there was a lot of scuttlebutt last week. Deion Sanders went on. Uh, Social media and 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 the and the outlets really calling out the NFL teams because only 24 teams showed up to the, to the Jackson State Pro Day, and then the next day, 31 of the 32 teams turned out at the Ole Miss Pro Day. And let me let me explain to the fans. I don't I don't want there to be any confusion about this. Let me explain to the fans how the pro days work and who attends and things like that. Okay, so if they're interested, if you have a player on your team that's working out in the pro day, that they are interested in either drafting or taking as a free agent, somebody is going to be there. If you don't, there's too many pro days to go to. They can't go to 300 pro days. There's only a small window. So the same day that Jackson State has a pro day, other people are having pro days. And so they have to go to places where they're interested in taking a guy for whatever reason that is. And so if there were only 24 teams at Jackson State, that meant there were eight teams in the NFL that were not interested in taking someone from Jackson State. It happens. And to be honest with you, I guarantee you it's the highest attended pro day probably in Jackson State history. Um, you don't have every team every year. Maybe if you're in Alabama where you got 13 draft picks, maybe if, if you're at Georgia or somewhere like that, you may have all 32 teams. But, you know, I've been at – 
Arkansas State where we had four there. I've been at South Alabama. The biggest year South Alabama ever had, we had Gerald Everett, who was a tight end, who was, you know, a, a early two, you know, a second-round grade guy at tight end, was at the Senior Bowl. We had like eight or nine teams there. So the fact that you have 24 there, that's a blessing. That's that's saying something. That That's one of the higher ones. To say all 32 teams are going to be at every pro day, that's never going to happen. Again, unless you have 13 or 14 draftable kids on your team. Now, if you got that many draftable kids on your team, you're going to have all 32 there. But if you got one or two guys, they can narrow it down. It can be as easy as saying, hey, we're not taking a guy. So, example, why were the Rams not at Matt Corral's pro day? Well, because they got Matt Stafford at quarterback. They just signed him to an extension. He's their quarterback for how long? Four years. All right. They're not drafting in the first round. Hell, they may not even be drafting in the second round. Matt Corral's not going to even be remotely close to where they're going to be drafting. Two is this, is they got Matt Stafford, so they're not interested in even thinking about trading up to get him. So there's literally no interest for Matt Corral to go for the Rams for Matt Corral. So they're not going to waste their resources and send them to the pro day when they can be somewhere else looking at an offensive lineman at Vermont. I don't know. Just there's other things that they can be doing at that time, and they're not going to waste the resources that they have in that small period of time. So I'll make sure the fans understand that. All right, closing out, I want to thank Jake for stopping by today. That was a lot of fun. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Home Visit Siski on Twitter, also on YouTube channel uh, at Home Visit Siski um, on YouTube. Make sure you're checking out the videos. Like, subscribe. If you got any questions or topics you want to talk about, make sure you send them to direct messages. Are open on Twitter, so send us a direct message. We can talk about some topics, anything that interests you guys. And once again, until next time, take care. Mm-hmm.